here we are, Tim. Back again for another exciting episode of our podcast. Yeah, who's the guest, Mark? Who we got on today? Well, I was going to ask you that question. I thought maybe there was somebody missing. I thought you were organising one. You always say that. No, we, we thought there's a couple. We're just going to have a little bit of a short ramble about a few things that we think might be of interest that you and I were just chatting about that people might uh, have current inquiries about. It's back to the old band, Mark. You and I, where it all began. I'm sure we're not going to get the same uh, enthusiasm as what we do when we get a vet guest, but it's 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 a bit of fun. What's how we go? So what's been? What are we going to talk about? What's happening in the market? Maybe got yeah. elections happening. Oh, mate, I thought we would talk about the election for a bit, and then maybe uh, what's happening in the market. Then I thought I, we might we sort of mentioned a little while back about how things have changed getting the real estate in, industry. Yeah, you're going to touch on that. I'm going to touch on that a bit today, just because okay. I think there's an opportunity. Well, we do have an election, Mark. Well, not only that, we're probably going to have two. Mm. So it's an interesting phenomenon in real estate elections. Yes. Now, let's not get too political today. No, right? I'm not going to declare my hand. I don't have a hand, really. I always, I'm just going to say I always vote for the least worst. Okay. Nice. <laughs> and I can tell you that they're always the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but what we thought maybe we'd chat about is what, how it affects the market or what impact it has on the market, maybe. Yeah, look, I think that's really important because there's some things that happen, and talking about you know, who you vote for, there's things that happen no matter what, it seems, when there's an election call. Yeah, what's really strange, when I started ten and a half years ago, I think it might have been about a year in or something, there was an election and I had some old guy in the office say, oh, you know, elections, not much happens, you know, people stop (laughs) doing things. And I'm like, no, surely no one changes their plans because of an election. And it turns out maybe he was right. Well, it seems that people do. And the thing that we can't, I can't sort of get over is it doesn't matter what the result is, the, the flow chart, if you like, is the same. Yeah, it's quite strange. Often things do go a bit quiet and people will maybe, not all, but you know, some people might stop putting their house in the market. I think it's the uncertainty thing. And then as soon as the decision happens, and you're right, no matter which way it is, off you go again. So I, I think we're going to, a few times today we're going to talk about opportunity. And I reckon this is an opportunity because there is no doubt by having watched elections for numerous years now, both of us in real estate, that there is this little bit of uncertainty which stops people maybe listing their properties. Yeah, I think it's a little bit uncertainty in life in general scares people. It's like if you have a, say, block of land that... Maybe you can build on, maybe you can't say it's, you know, they haven't, the owner hasn't got the approval. You just get, like, no inquiry because it's the uncertainty where if the owner goes and does the extra work and go, here's the permit, smooth sailing because people just want that confidence. They hate uncertainty And it's in usually life. pretty hot, isn't it? Yeah. So my, my, my opportunity on this one, and this is what I thought would be a great point, is what if you went against the flow? Because there are still people out there that wanting to purchase. They're not uncertain. No. So it's really only about, should I wait until the election's over? Well, history says that basically three days after the election's over, and it's generally three days, it just goes crazy. Yeah, the market has a little kick again. It's, I, I don't understand it, but this will be, I don't know, my third or fourth one I've gone through now, and it, it's a thing. It I, is a thing. And, you know, if nothing else, if you're ready to go... 
rather than waiting. I think there is an opportunity because if you're out there and people are looking, it's a bit like we talk about winter markets sometimes, Tim, mm. where everybody thinks that you have to sell in spring and we actually find that there's less listings, so therefore those ones that are done in winter look pretty, work pretty well. Yeah. So I, it's an opportunity with less listings about. I use the analogy and I always say it's not maybe super accurate, but tomatoes, when they're in season, so there's plenty of them around, yes. are they worth more or are they worth less? They're actually worth less. So you could mount the argument in spring when everyone decides to put the house on the market. Well, you've got a lot more competition. And I think that's what we're trying to allude to here today is that there is some opportunities when there isn't as much competition to maybe get a premium on your property. I will say, though, the market... That was a bit of a tongue twister. The market market doesn't work very well, does it, Tim? The market has changed. Um, We don't shy away from the fact. If you look at six months ago, and the market is is slowing down now some i hate saying that because sometimes people think oh you know the market's going backwards or whatever no it's, it's not going backwards prices haven't fallen but the rate of growth is certainly slowed and what you're finding is days on market is starting to push out a little bit so where you might have a property where you might have had 15 people to the open home now you might get five to that open home now that's not saying there's not you know open homes on the weekends you won't get 30 or whatever that that still happens but as an overall the inquiry on properties has come back from where it was six months ago but it had to it was like a world record high it's it's all relative and we've been in having been in the industry quite a while that market was quite unnatural almost because we Around these parts, it was basically 30% across the board. Yeah. You know, if you can't continue growing at that growth. So even though it's come off the board a little bit, that doesn't mean it stopped. No, but what it does mean is vendors need to be... They need to, be, they need to understand what's happening. They need to maybe adjust their expectations about how long a property yeah. might take to sell. And they need to be really careful around the pricing of their property. When the market's booming, you put your house on the market fifty more, and you know we were encouraging many clients to to Absolutely, try a higher price. Why not try it? Because yeah. they were selling. But what you'll find, you'll see, start to happen now. Vendors who just put an extra fifty or hundred thousand dollars on their property to you know see how it goes, just nothing will happen. Yeah, they, exactly. So you have to be a bit more realistic about yeah. where the market price is. Yeah. Use a little bit more where in the part where. Really, all last year, you could say, well, it doesn't matter what the market was because it might be different again now. Realistically, what it was like three months ago is now a lot more relevant than what it was earlier in the year. That sounds a bit confusing, Tim, but I think think that makes a bit of sense. I think it makes sense. And the other really simple thing for owners to do is, you know, they can have agents out and do all that sort of stuff, but do a bit of your own research. Like we always say, do a bit of your own research. (laughs) We're always big on that, Tim. And have a look at what's been selling, compare it to yours, and... And see what you think. Look, we all look at, and it's it's probably that thing that when you own something, you actually think it's really great. Absolutely. But what you've got to try and do is like think about what it's really got. Has yours got this? Has it not got that? And just work the, the things through, and then you might get a more realistic idea. I, I was selling my old car recently, Mark, and I had to have a few um, meetings with myself <laughs> about <laughs> about pricing. I think myself as a vendor might have been a little bit. Optimistic, well, you but, loved that but I was I was a little bit like an owner might be. I was like, you know, I'm going to try, and I did try, you know, a bit yeah. higher than what it was probably worth. But 
I adjusted it back in price before it had been on the market for months and months and months without anything happening. Yeah, and, it, and it's not too much different to a property. No, it's not. And funnily enough, if we go across the board from sale to rental, it's still the same. You hear some people go, because Ballarat's current at 1.1%, um, doesn't mean that everything's going to be snapped up. It still has to be right. And if people aren't coming for the property, you do have to adjust it. So what are we doing with rentals, Mark, that are coming up for a lease renewal? So six months ago, you'd be like, yep, you know, it's on at 400, let's go 425. What are we doing with that property that's now, was it 400? Well, I, look, it's a really good question. So it depends on one, whether the, the tenancy wants to stay yes. or whether they want to leave. If they want to stay, my counsel is always that no tenant will leave if the rent increase is relative. So what I mean by that is if they they'll do the sums in their head and say, well, I'm not going to get the I'm not going to get any better house for the same amount of money. So say it was 400 and the market value is 425, don't leave it at 400. Maybe make it 420. Yeah. And therefore that tenant won't move because you've got moving costs, all those considerations. However, if you go there and say, look, the market's been really good, it's 1.1%, we're gonna go to 450, you just might get hurt because your tenant will probably move out. Yeah. And then you'll advertise it. So my thing is, you can be a little bit conservative to keep a tenant. If, however, the tenant's moving no matter what, using that same analogy in the property, you might advertise for the 425, 430. And, and even though, like, it's a bit different, we half touched on this the other day in one of the rental ones, it's a little bit different with rentals, because even if the market hasn't been as crazy the last three months, if you're just coming out of a 12-month lease, nine months of that was crazy, so you should probably still have a rent increase, even though uh, the last three months hasn't right. been as strong. And so. it goes back to the first statement there. Nobody will leave if it's reasonable. As long yeah. as the landlord or, which they're now rental providers, we, residential rental providers, we know that, Guff, we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, if they're a little bit greedy, they may lose a good tenant. But if they're realistic, they won't lose a good tenant. And that's mm. pretty much the, the whole idea. Reasonability, um, it's often written into real estate law. And we sometimes say what's reasonable, what's not. Well, I think going back to an early comment about sales, it's that research part. If you want to look at what you should do, get on somewhere like realestate.com, put around your area and just see what they're going for and compare it realistically. Well, that's what buyers do and that's what tenants do as well. Absolutely, they? they do. So or renters, sorry, renters. Renter, oh, yeah, well, yes. I don't care about the, the, the moniker. But the thing is, we do. you do need to look at that because if you put your shoe on the other foot and you are the opposite, well, you're going to do that. So be realistic. Know that they're going to check it out. If yours yeah. is not going to stack up, you know, it's not going to happen. No matter whether there's 1% vacancy or 3% vacancy. And there's never any harm, I discussed with someone just this morning, there's never any harm in an owner or a rental provider wanting to try something. Like if a house is worth 600 and someone wants 800 yeah. or they don't sell it, that's fine. That's their prerogative, but they just need to go in with eyes wide open and know that yeah. what and, may and or if, may not you know, be true. If time's their problem, don't sit there and try it up there and don't react because you need yeah. to react to get somebody in a reasonable period yeah. of time. Because it's a really interesting thing with that, that you actually can cost yourself money because by waiting for that, if you like, that glory offer, you could have had an extra amount of money for so many more weeks. So if you're thinking of that same thing there, Every week it's not rented, that's $400. Yeah. So how many weeks does it take to get that money back? Yeah. So, I, but I think that's it. So, but 
we come back to the same back to where we start on the election, all of those things need to be taken into account. If you're reasonable, it'll happen. Yeah, so the market's just a return to a bit more of a normal... I would still say it's strong, but, but it's coming back to more of a normal market. There's a lot of talk about interest rate rises later in the year. You would think they'll probably happen, and you would think that would probably slow the market down a little bit. Who knows? Everyone said when COVID came, it was going to go down 30%. And of course, so it never happened. I'm, I'm not here to try and guess which way the market's going. No, and that's not... I don't think that's what, what we would ask anybody to do, but I suppose the thing that you... If you've got a fair indication that's going to happen, work out whether if you're a purchaser that you can that you factor that in. Yeah. Um, if you're a seller, work out that purchasers are going to be factoring that in. So there's a little bit of that. So it's a, I like the word again back to a no, more normal pattern. It's not a, it's by no means at this point in time a bad market. And I still work on the you buy and sell. You know, mostly buy and sell real estate when you're ready. Once you start trying to pick the market, I've seen a lot of people try that uh, really unsuccessfully. So, <laughs> yeah, I've seen it both so ways. You can when, get lucky, you, but most people aren't. But you need to know that it's a long-term Yeah, game. it's a long-term. And if you, I, I always counsel people of buying and selling in the same market. That way you're not going to... If it turns the wrong way, you're not yep. going to get burnt. But yep. if, you, if you speculate... You know, let's face it, everybody would like to have that um, hindsight and everybody would like to know what's in the future. None of us really do at and the time. Once again, Mark, this is not financial advice. We are not. No, and I think that's really? another really important thing. Work out, talk to your financial provider. But again, it's back to that research. Yeah, absolutely, doing your research. Now, there's another thing I wanted to touch on because we've talked about it before, and that is the changing of how you become a real estate agent. Because I don't know about you, but we do get asked quite a bit yeah, how to get into real estate. I'm going to use that word opportunity again, Tim. Okay. I think there's a real opportunity for the person who really wants to do it to act upon it. And what I mean by that is that in the past, becoming an agent was relatively simple. It was, wasn't it? You went off and did a few units and um, realistically you could be on the street, so to speak, one day and in the office five days later... Ready yeah, to, exactly. Apparently, yeah, apparently knowing how to sell someone's assets and all those sorts of things and become an expert in marketing and all those things in five days. Amazing. Yeah, and so there's a big, there was a big churn. But Massive. I think, but I think now the other thing is too, so it's harder to become an agent's representative, which is really your base level of where you get into real estate. Yes. Um, but it's also therefore harder for uh, employers and companies to... Once to actually just find somewhere new, someone right. new. Does that or does that mean we're all getting a pay rise, Mark? Mate, I'd love now to see that. Now we're all in demand. I'm not, I'm not sure that's going to happen. But what it does mean is that, again, using those same figures, if there's more people available to be employed, it's more easy to dispense with somebody quickly. Yes. So now there's a greater period of um, education that you have mm. to actually achieve to become an agent. But therefore, if you go and show some... Uh, some real hard wanting to be in the industry by doing that, there's going to be less people that you're competing with to one, get into the industry, and then two, to stay in the industry. Yeah, I, I welcome it, Mark. The, I think it still should be maybe even... It's probably okay now, but... I think the it, change has it, helped. It needed to become harder to get into the industry. And for, for everyone, for people who work in the industry for people who want to start for consumers for buyers for sellers because it i think it is really unfair and 
you know, I'm, I'm one of the people who went off. Mine took a while. I did it through SMB. But essentially, I could have went and spent three to five days and been a real estate agent in yeah. inverted commas. And that's got to be unfair on the clients I then go and well, work with. I think with. it's a real problem. So, so just to make it really simple... The difference now, where it used to be three units, which yep. were actually always part of the certificate for in real estate, or there is actually a few other names for it, but they're all similarly aligned, and I could go through it, but it becomes really wordy. But if you're starting to work as a, an agent's representative now, you're looking at 18 units. You need, yeah, so you've gone from three, so six times the amount of work, essentially. Correct. So what that also, that though, to me that's an opportunity because if you, even if you haven't finished it, if you're halfway through it and you went to an agency and said, look, I'm really keen to get in and I'd like to get a little bit of background as well, I'm halfway through my rep, I've done, mm. you know, I'm six units in of, uh, or oh, that's even only a third, but even that, compared to where in the past they could say, gee, I tell you, you look good, I'm just going to employ you. But it, that whole preparation, which comes back to another one of our things we always say is to prepare and get some information. It means that you've got more chance of having a sustainable time in the industry and learning on the job. Sure, you've always done that, but now you'll have a basis behind what you're learning as well. Well, I think you would know or met a few people, Mark, who have said, oh, I'm going to have a go at real estate or I had a go at real estate because you could. You could just roll on in. You really didn't have much to risk. You took on board. Now, people have to make that commitment. So they're not just going to stroll on in and give it a go, so to speak. They're going to have to be committed to get in. But that's that's good. For, I don't see any downside to that. Oh, I don't see any downside at all. And the other, the other thing about that is I actually see the fact that, therefore, the company will need to put more into you as well if you've, if you've got that position because they can't just say, I'll get another one off the street. So realistically, if you're showing that intent and you're buckling down and working, the company's more likely to work with you and you'll have an opportunity to have a footprint in the industry for a long time. So it was something that I thought we should approach because it's often been one of these things about, oh, where do you get your agent's rep from? Do you get it out of a Wendy's packet and you don't know anything? Well, now that's changed. Yeah. You still can, if you're an experienced agent, get back into the industry as long as you've been in there in the last 10 years. Okay, so um, you don't have to go... No, to- but there are some provisos of what you like and I could go through the whole lot there is you know there's a whole heap of categories if you have previous experience in the real estate industry and your course was completed more than five years ago now Mark, it was 10 years ago we have a national audience so am I assuming this is just Victoria well that's another really exciting part that I think has in the past it was just Victoria there is now certain states and Victoria is one of them and that that will recognise your your agents, either your agents rep or your licence in different states. So right. you can effectively move states. So if you're in Queensland and one say one partner wants to move to Victoria, that can be recognised or vice versa. That was not the case up until last year. Okay. So I think that also makes a, a, you know more reason that you can actually put the time in. Because if you've got those qualifications, they're going to be... There's a like-for-like understanding in different states, even though the courses are slightly different. Well, maybe it'll stop the sales consultants, Mark. Nine out of ten, supposedly this is right, and when I think about it, the people I've seen come and go, it probably is. Nine out of ten real estate agents don't make it past two years in the industry. Well, that's right, and and you and I would like to see that change because it's a great industry, but there is... 
The other thing that I will breach, uh, briefly touch on too is the permissions. Just be aware, and you might think that it's a good idea to actually have a look before you do the course of the permissions. There are certain people that are not, once you've done the course, will not get through. Talk to the relevant agencies in the regards to whether that there that is something that can be overlooked. There is a whole heap of things. What does that mean? What do you mean by permission? So, so as in if you're a criminal or correct, something like that. Okay. Because you've got to go through things like police checks. Um, if you're a bankrupt, that might change things. I'm guessing fraud might be an issue. <laughs> yeah, so you know, don't be silly. Have a look at all of that. Yeah. But there are even in the documentation that I've got in front of me, which I have there, there are there are sometimes considerations for that, but you would be stupid to go and put that much time in without checking that out prior. Yeah, so, I, I know someone who rang me a while ago and he was looking at getting in and he'd done something stupid when he was 18 and he's like, you know, does that bar me? And I'm like, oh, I actually wasn't too sure, but he went and found out and he was okay. So he, he could still get exactly. through because of how long ago it was and what the offence was and those sorts of things. But The, yeah. the other thing to take in mind too um, there's a thing called the business license agency and I don't want to get too far into that but you as a full agent myself as a full agent we are actually registered with the BLA yes um, you aren't a real estate agent just because you've actually got the qualifications yeah. if you are an agent's rep you are you do need to have a company that will actually register you with the BLA and if you move from that company and go to work for another you'll need to be deregistered with the BLA and re-registered. So I thought that was just a thing so they get money offers. Is that? <laughs> I think it's partly that. I reckon these license fees, they do pretty well. But I think that's also realistic. Just because you've done the study doesn't make you an agent. So think about where, where you want to be and, and start talking to people. I would think pretty early in the process. What about when you go to the barbecue and there's, you know, your friend's friend <laughs> who, oh, they know lots about real estate. They're always the best ones, aren't oh, they? Oh, they're great. They're really yeah. fantastic. Do they work in the industry? Oh, no, they're a, I don't know, whatever, but they're a waste makers laugh. But oh, look, I think though overall, and I think we're both on the same page here, as a real estate professional, I think the industry had to become more professional and this yeah. is part of it. But what, I, what I'd hate to see is that people who have... Um, some ambition to become an agent, not try because I think it's too hard. Well, in real terms, it actually you've got more of an opportunity than ever because if you do the work, there's going to be less people they choose from. Do you know what, Mark? The other thing is, I'm just thinking on the go here, but if you were someone who was like a property investor or, you know, really loved it and, you know, wanted to learn about to help them buy and sell properties and all these things, even if they're still going through an agent and all those things, I tell you, having all that knowledge would help a lot. Look, it, it, it does. And I think... Because you would be able to, when you try and choose an agent and all those things, you would be able to ask them really good questions and well, see what they know. It's really interesting. When I was doing my full licence part, I've already been a sub-agent. Well, originally I was a sub-agent, that's how long ago. And then I was an agent's rep. Um, there, were, there were some people in that position that were purely getting their full licence so that they knew what it took to actually yeah. trade in real estate and they were never going to be an agent. They just wanted to know that what the people that they're going to be paying the money to, you know, once they've done a development, who yeah. they are, what they're going to do, whether they're being uh, ripped off or not, which... You know, we'd like to say nobody's ever ripped off, but the, the, the thing is, knowledge is all powerful. It's going to give you... I remember in a previous life, there was a there was a mechanic who was a salesperson for, like, 
agricultural equipment. Yeah. But he was a qualified mechanic and then he went into sales. And he was so good at sales because he had such a good understanding of this machine and what it did and if something went wrong, what it might be, all these things. And it made him a really good salesperson because he had all that inside knowledge. And, and you, when you spoke to him, you knew you knew he knew so what he was talking about. So the same sort of thing, yeah. And therefore you'd buy off him. Yeah. And I think there's no doubt. I mean, we often hear about horrible things about investors and they first one, they've, they've gone... You know, they've, they've gone nowhere and they've actually cost money. A lot of knowing the pitfalls, you'll actually find by it. So we keep harping on this. I'd, I'd love to deal with buyers you and know, sellers who are licensed agents. Oh, because they're great. Because they, 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 they understand yeah, you know, when you're talking to them, talking about them. And, and the way that the whole industry is becoming with things such as disclosure statements, if you're a rental provider, with um, uh, facts that matter, or material facts in sales, yeah. all of those things mean that you can't, you actually can't be ignorant, so a little bit of information behind it would be great. So hopefully that might have piqued some people's interest in in um, joining an industry, joining the industry. And how, do, how, do you, how do you think Jeff would go? He's a real oh, estate agent. Now, well, he listens to all the podcasts, so he'd have an advantage, right? He start. would. He knows a lot of people. <laughs> That's does. a good start. He yeah. does. But just before you say hello to the underground, because I know you're going to. I'm sure that you wouldn't mind calls from anybody who's interested. I certainly wouldn't mind calls from anybody who's interested. We'd be happy to help. Yeah, anyone. I'm happy to talk to them about the pitfalls. Anyone who wants to talk Go about it. Go back to the fabulous underground, mate. Well, I just said hello, oh, so that, so that was say, it. Is that what you're going to do? You're that's gonna... it. That's enough. Really? Yeah. Here we are. Oh, look, mate, I think we've probably spoken long enough, and this one might have been a bit boring because it's been a bit more woody. And the well, it's mostly just because you've been talking I most of the time. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. So um, we, are, we do have some good guests lined up coming up soon, but also we'd love to hear things that people out there want to uh, have us talk about. So don't be shy, send us some stuff and we'll, well then do it. send us questions and also what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, and if you don't like Tim, I'm happy to hear about that as well. Yeah, exactly. Too bad because he's staying. You, know, he's not, <laughs> you can't kick me off my own podcast, but you can try. Well, you tried to kick me off the other day when we had Brooke Wakelin in. You thought that she was better than me. You wanted to get rid of me. And I said, no, hang on, it's our podcast. That's not going to happen. Well, now we are rambling. So let's, yeah, I think uh, it's time, Tim. Look, thanks for today. Pleasure. Uh, look forward to uh, talking with you again shortly and um, hope everybody out there is safe and well. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Tim.